Hello, and welcome to BrainShare, all things sales podcast. I'm Katie Moulton, a new SDR looking to learn some tips and tricks from other salespeople. On today's episode, we have Jed Marley. Welcome, Jed. Thanks, Katie. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so can you start off with a little introduction? Tell us a little about what you do. Yeah, for sure. Um, So I was in the Praxis program, um, let's see, about a year and a half ago. Um, I, I went through the whole, the whole boot camp and everything and then started my job as an LDR at a company called Pantadoc. Uh, we do document automation and e-signatures, things of that nature. Um, so I, I was there in a contract for about three months and then uh, got promoted to a full-time outbound SDR. So just been doing a lot of outbound uh, sales development, booking meetings, um, and pretty much all that for the past nine months um, up here in Detroit, Michigan. That's awesome. So can you also tell me a little bit about your newsletter that you run? Yeah, yeah. Um, so when I first started at PandaDoc, um, I started the newsletter through um, like a, a little a little thing called Substack. It makes it super easy to, to start a newsletter. Um, but I really just started sharing the things I was learning uh, throughout the process every week through my newsletter on Sundays. Um, and it kind of grew. It's over 250 subscribers now at this point. So it's pretty cool to kind of see the progression. And I'll look back at my older posts and, and some of them I'm like, damn, like, uh, this is tough <laughs> compared to now, but it's cool to see how much you've learned over the past year. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's been super fun sharing everything through the newsletter. I think it challenges you to, um, whether you're doing a podcast or a newsletter or a blog or whatever it is, just that documentation kind of challenges you to think, Hey, what am I really learning? and kind of just retain that information better. And it's cool just being able to share that with other people. And so um, I love to write. So the newsletter just was perfect. Yeah, I think it's so awesome. I've been reading them and the information you put out is top notch, really helpful. Love that. Yeah, appreciate it. All right, so let's uh, jump right into our conversation. I think we're gonna touch on uh, sales cadences today. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't know what would be best for you as far as where you wanna start off. Let's just start off with like, what does your like best cadence look like, or like what would best practices maybe? Yeah, totally. Um, so as far as doing outbound cadences, um, the way I like to structure it is, and it kind of depends. It's different for everybody. Um, but so for PandaDoc, we haven't really had an outbound team for too long. Um, it's relatively new. So I've, I've helped build out a lot of the processes and cadences. Um, the way I typically like to structure my cadences is have that first email be pretty, pretty custom. Um, and I like to focus on a very like niche vertical. Um, so say, for example, I'll pick one vertical within a specific state um, and then go after a very targeted persona. Um, and that first email will be very custom to the specific persona um, and, and the company, uh, the, the type of industry they're in. Um, and then every email after that is actually automated. And I do a lot of A-B testing to see um, which automated emails work best, um, which like bumps work best. And kind of my whole philosophy around the cadences I'm doing um, is just trying to revert their attention back to that initial email. So the voicemails I'm leaving are reverting them back to that initial email. And I'm just trying to get a, a yes or a no in as little time as possible. Um, and that's kind of like the overview. We can obviously dive into some of the copy and um, some of the other practices I do around cadences. Yeah. So I'd be interested to know, like, what type of custom information do you put into that first email? Yeah. So when I'm doing an outbound uh, cold email, kind of my whole approach is context, 
value call to action. So three sentences, max on my emails, right? Like, hey, Katie, context. We work with, let's just pick the nonprofit industry, for example. We work with nonprofits in the state of uh, Michigan. So that's the context, right? Reaching out to you because we work with nonprofits in the state of Michigan. Um, value prop is your value prop. Um, we help them do X, Y, and Z. We help them achieve this. Um, sometimes I like to uh, include social proof in that line. So we're helping customers like X and Y. So anytime you can reference a, a competitor of theirs or somebody that's very close, um, and we can dive into some of the ways I find those similar customers as well. Um, but if you have a customer that's referenceable to the people you're trying to reach out to, mention them in that line. And then the last line, so context value, last line is call to action. My favorite calls to action uh, is typically like, would you be open to learning more? Um, kind of something that's a little bit of a soft ask as opposed to do you have 30 minutes to chat? Um, based on my A-B testing and research I've done, it opens the most conversations, it gets the most email replies, and it's less pushy. And kind of my whole philosophy is if you send a good email and there's a good value prop, um, they'll reply and they'll you know, want to set up that call. Like saying, do you have 30 minutes to chat? It doesn't get as many replies if you just say, is this relevant or would you be open to learning more? 100%. That's just kind of how I structure my emails. All right. So let's talk about subject lines. What kind of subject yeah, lines totally. do you like? It's funny. My, my favorite subject line is just literally inquiry. Um, the way I like to think about it, if I'm doing something basic, obviously, if I'm focusing on niche verticals, um, I have different types of subject lines. But my go-to subject line, I, I call it my lazy subject line. If I just need something to send out, I'll do inquiry. It pretty much across the board gets like a 50% open rate. Um, and kind of from research I've seen from Sales Loft and other resources is that the shorter the subject line, the better. Um, oftentimes, though, like let's say I talk to somebody else in the company. Um, and I get a referral, I'm using their names in the subject line. So uh, spoke with X dot, dot, dot kind of thing is my subject line. Um, so, well, you know, that's kind of what I, I typically go for. My general rule of thumb is just short as possible. Um, I don't like those cheesy ones, open to a quick chat or quick question, stuff like that. I, I tend to like go for subject lines that are going to create a little bit of mystery, like make them want to open it, right? Like inquiry, oh, like what's this about? Or reaching out. Um, or another another one I do too is um, when I'm working through, when I'm working contacts through a cadence, my first call, I'll leave a voicemail. I always leave a voicemail on my first call. And then I'll send an email right afterwards, subject line, my voicemail. Um, and then kind of, give the pitch there. So those are some examples of subject lines I use, but yeah, all in all, I just try to go as short as possible to create mystery. Cool. All right. What should we, what should oh. we jump into next? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, what's, we can kind of discuss a little bit about um, my strategy as far as finding outbound prospects to go after. I don't know, does that sound cool with you? Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I guess when I'm going after, uh, uh, prospects, there's a few ways to, to find, um, warm outbound prospects. Um, typically one of my favorite go-tos is going on LinkedIn, searching up the company's name. And then on the sidebar, you can find affiliated pages, um, and, and people also viewed. Um, so this is a sidebar where you're going to find very similar companies. 
So let's say you just closed uh, X company. I would go to their LinkedIn page, you know, find those affiliated pages that are there and then reach out to them and say, hey, we just worked with or we just implemented a project with X because they're likely to know that company X. Um, kind of give the little value prop and then, you know, would you be open to learning more? So, I mean, that's my kind of process around um, finding warm prospects and then I'm utilizing sales navigator a lot uh, and just um, really most of my strategy around outbound prospecting is just about social proof and just being very targeted on specific industries and referencing our customers to things of that nature. Yeah. Going off of that social proof, how would you implement that back into your cadence? Like what would that look like? Yeah. So implementing that back in my cadence is a good question. It's really just name dropping uh, customers in my emails, um, highlighting little stories from them. Um, I'll go because we have Salesforce as our CRM. I'll go into Salesforce, excuse me. Um, and I'll read the op, I'll read the, the notes on that opportunity uh, from when we closed that account. And I'll just kind of highlight, I'll, I'll read what were the problems they were facing that made them want to sign up with company I work for is PandaDoc. What were the, what, why did they sign up with us? I'll kind of put that into a short little story and put those in the email and see if that resonates with people. So that's kind of how I implement the social proof. Additionally, when I'm cold calling people, um, and we can transition into talking about cold calling as well, if, if that's something you want to talk about, but I'm, I'm always meant name dropping customers. Uh, it gets people's attention, especially when you only have a sliver of time to, to catch their attention. Um, if you can, if you can name drop a, a customer that they're pretty familiar with, um, it, it might, you know, buy you some extra time to keep them on the phone and book the meeting. Yeah. Awesome. So let's, let's, uh, stick on the cadences for a minute. I have a question. Um, yeah. so what does inbound versus outbound cadences look like? Like, what would you change? Yeah. So inbound versus outbound is a lot different. Like with inbound, uh, it's a lot more, you're just trying to convert as fast as possible. So a lead comes inbound. I think it's something like, um, I forget what the specific statistics are, but as far as somebody comes in, they submit a demo request or they start a free trial or whatever type of inbound lead, the longer you wait before booking them and getting in touch with them and getting them on a meeting, the lower chance that it has of converting, right? So like with inbound cadences, it's about making that call as soon as possible, um, having a high level of emails. From what I've seen, I feel like there's more email steps in, a, in an inbound cadence. Um, and it's a lot more just trying to get them right on a meeting. It's focused on the product. Whereas outbound, it's more about focusing a little bit more on pain, uh, building awareness, and just trying to create a little bit of curiosity. Because with inbound, you already have that curiosity. They've come through. They likely already have a pain. They're probably evaluating a couple of their vendors. So it's just trying to get them on a meeting as soon as possible, build that urgency. Whereas outbound, it's kind of creating curiosity um, and, and getting them to just explore your product, highlighting pains, things like that. So on inbound, would you be more inclined to make the direct ask for a meeting versus outbound? Yeah. I mean, if it's inbound, you want to ask for the meeting. I mean, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I'm always going to ask for meeting no matter what. I mean, that's kind of what you want to go for. But yeah, with inbound, um, more inclined to ask for the meeting for sure. Um, and I'm just curious, like if it's, if it's an inbound lead, I want to know why did you sign up for a free trial? Like what's going on? And so it's a lot more of that curiosity. Um, uh, and then, you know, just 
uncovering why do they even submit that inbound lead. Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. How many touches would you put in your cadences? And over like what kind of period of time? Yeah, so for outbound, I have a, a high level of touches within the first few days. Um, so I want to say like five emails for outbound, at least for me, and I, and I like to keep them tight because the way I look at it, if you piss somebody off from sending them too many emails or sending them too many calls in the beginning and you get a no faster as opposed to dragging out the cadence to like a month long and then you get a no at the end of the month anyways, like that's fine. If I send out my first email, leave my first voicemail, and those first few touches, I'm providing the value. Um, I've I've given a good value prop. Um, from that point on, I'm just trying to get them to to look at that and be like, yes or no, yes or no, yes or no. So the way I do it is I have a lot of emails in the beginning. Sometimes I'll do email day one, it'll be email day three, and then another email day four, just bumping them. Say, hey, any thoughts on this? Um, so I have a, and some people might not agree with that. Uh, but but what what I what I tend to learn is that people who are going to be like stop emailing me or no not interested would have told me that anyways down the line, so I'm getting them out of my funnel so I can focus on the people that are actually interested in my product. Um, so it's a lot of touches. It's a lot of email touches, like I said, around five email touches for outbound cadences, and then typically like six calls if they're active on LinkedIn. I'll hit them up on LinkedIn. But there's a little bit more of a strategy to that. I'll send them a connection request. But like the key is whenever I do something, I want it to all be like bundled together. So if I send you an email, I'm going to call you, leave you a voicemail and then send the email. So I want things to be like bundled together um, so I can catch their attention. Um, if I'm going to connect with you, I'm going to give you a call first, leave you a voicemail and then send you a connection request. So you get all three of those notifications within the span of like two minutes. Um, so that's kind of how I do it on outbound. Just trying to get their attention. I'll, I'll do a lot of activities, a lot of touches in a short amount of time. Um, and sometimes I'll annoy people, but again, it goes back to me thinking they were just going to get annoyed anyways. So it's better if I get a no now than two weeks down the line saves me time. Yeah, that's, that's a really good way of looking at it. The fact that like, you're either going to get a no anyway, it's yeah. just saving you time and, and effort really. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, what kind of substance do you have in your bump emails or voicemails? Yeah. Um, so to start off with like the, the emails. So like the first one obviously has that value prop. We talked about context value, um, call to action. Second one is usually just kind of like, Hey, seems like maybe the timing's off. Uh, I mean, would it be a bad idea to explore how customer X is using us? Maybe I'll highlight a little customer story, but kind of what my second bump is usually like, just trying to take their guard down by saying phrases like, seems like the timing's off, not sure if it's a good fit, but because what that does is they're like, they'll actually evaluate it. Like it's kind of a pattern interrupt. It's not what most salespeople will do. So, you know, it gets them to be like, yeah, okay. He just said, maybe this isn't a fit. Like they feel comfortable saying this isn't a fit. Um, so that's kind of what it is. Like, Hey, not sure if this is fit. Would you be opposed to a quick conversation? Kind of like my second bump. Um, my third bump, it's funny. Um, I got this from a guy named Justin Michael. He's on LinkedIn. That third thread kind of like in the email is literally just one word. It's thoughts question mark. And it gets so many replies because people don't see that. They just see thoughts pop in their inbox. They're like, what the hell is this? And they click on it and then they'll reply. 
um sometimes it'll be like hey like so like that last bump is just kind of like thoughts or any thoughts on this very quick and the overall theme with all my emails is very very short any word i can take out i'm taking out of it i mean you you were in practice so you probably remember like the um what was it like cut it in right. half exercise cut it in half yeah <laughs> it it serves you well if you're in sales you know what i mean like it it really stands true like before i send an email i'm like how much how much crap is, is in here that I can take out? How many filler words are in there? Because you want to think like any little tweaks you can make to your emails. If you're sending out thousands of emails a month, any little tweak can can be the, the difference between a couple extra meetings a month or not. So just always making those tweaks. Um, and then as far as you, you asked about substance in my voicemails, I'm usually just reading that initial email to them in my voicemail. The same value prop I said in my initial email that, that's customized is what I'm saying in my voicemail. So what I'm trying to do is just resurface their memory of the, of the email. And the, the one thing that I do differently than some people in my voicemails is I'll say, you know, Hey Katie, um, following up on an email, uh, you know, we help customers like X and Y to Z, um, no need to call me back. I'll send you an email after this. Can you just reply to me there if it's relevant or not? Cause people don't really want to call you back, especially if it's a random number, especially if it's a salesperson. So when you tell them, don't even call me back, like literally just go look at my email and let me know if it's relevant or not. Um, sometimes I'll just resend the same email, but just change the subject line to per my voicemail right after that call. So they get that call, they get that voicemail and they're like, Oh, he just wants me to look at this email and then reply whether or not it's relevant. Um, then you get them to actually look at the email and they'll reply. So um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of my voicemail email substance uh, as far as, you know, going through the cadence and everything. Oh, do you put all of the emails you send to them in one thread or do you make them separate threads? Yeah, good question. So I typically do like three emails in one thread. And so it'll be like day one email, day three, a bump on that thread, day four or five, another bump, and then day seven or eight, it's a new thread. I'll give you one. It's good for like an automated email. I book a few meetings, uh, quite a few meetings a month off of this. I think I did like five of them last month and you may have seen it on my newsletter if you read it, but it's just like the subject lines like reaching out and then it's who's the best person uh, at your company to talk to about X. So who's the best person at, you know, name of their company to talk to about X and X is whatever you do, right? So for us, like who's the best person at your company to talk to about e-signatures? Um, thanks, Jed. It's one line. People always open it and they, and they can read it without even opening it. And I get so many referrals. They'll be like, you know, this person, or they'll be like, it's me. Like, what do you want to talk about? What, what, what is this all about? And I booked quite a few meetings off of it. And I think it's just because it's so simple. And like, that's the big thing about my emails is just trying to make it readable, like understandable. So many emails are like, where do you want me to go with this? Like, what are you trying to say? So just try to make it as easy as possible for the um, prospect to respond. So yeah, I mean, to answer your question, I know that's kind of a little long-winded. Um, I do uh, typically three bumps for each thread and maybe I'll do two or three threads or, you know, separate emails. Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. Let's, let's transition to pattern interrupters. What kind of things you like to say or put in your emails and cold calls to interrupt? Yeah, um, I love that. There is some things that I'll do that some people don't agree with, but maybe they don't agree with it because they haven't really gone fully in on it, but you can do things like send an email. Like it's a text, like, like don't do this proper spacing of an email. Like just 
like like really quick like hey katie like like one sentence things like that's kind of a pattern a pattern interrupter like the one sentence email i talked about but like make the formatting awkward um make it just like different from emails you normally see you know what i'm saying like a quick one sentence sort of thing um like that's some of the things i'll do is kind of a pattern interrupt um, another one I'll do if I'm prospecting after like larger companies, like enterprise level, I'll do the day one, day two, day three bump, like nine touches. So it's call, voicemail, email, day one, day two, call, connection request, email bump. And then day three, email bump, uh, like profile view and a call on their LinkedIn. Cause like when you view their LinkedIn, they get a, a notification that someone viewed their profile. But if I'm prospecting after these enterprise level people I'm trying to go after larger accounts they're getting tons of emails every day so they're used to the normal cadences of an email and they're like okay in a couple of days I'm going to get another email that says what are your thoughts on this and so it's a pattern interrupter when you just like email today email tomorrow email the next day call 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 uh, voicemail you know connection request all in that same like pocket of time another thing that's kind of cool is kind of sending images in your emails um, so Again, this is from a guy named Justin Michael. I got this idea from him. He will send out like on like the third bump, he'll send an image, right? Um, and the image is kind of about your product. So I'll give you an example. PandaDoc is like I mentioned, we do e-signatures and document automation. So we're kind of like an all-in-one tool. Um, and it's, a, it's kind of a Venn diagram and it's like PandaDoc in the middle, um, DocuSign that does e-signatures like word for for documents like microsoft word and then another tool and it's like we're three tools in one and it's like a venn diagram showing pandadoc in the middle so it's like a visual image that explains the value of your product basically it's kind of hard to explain without having the image to show um but what he'll do is, is is send an image and then just say thoughts and like the image in your prospecting is cool because it's like people respond to that like that visual aspect of it um and that's worked pretty well and so again, it's a pattern interrupt. People aren't, you know, people are used to seeing like the words and, and emails and stuff. And obviously you can do video prospecting, uh, things like that. But I tend to save those types of uh, more manual and personalized activities for, for larger companies that I'm going after. Um, Cause it's not necessarily scalable amongst uh, smaller companies or if you're trying to go high volume. Well, yeah, I mean, those are some examples of pattern interrupts. I guess I'll, I'll touch on one that's been working pretty well for me as far as cold calls, a pattern interrupt. Um, when I'm calling somebody, typically my opening line is something like, hey, Katie, this is Jed with PandaDoc. I'm just following up on an email from the other day. I don't know if the name sounds familiar at all. And then if they say yes or no, doesn't matter. My second line is always, okay, great. I mean, if they say yes, then I'll say, okay, great. Yeah, I was just looking to schedule 15 minutes um, to kind of go over that and see how some other organizations are using our tool. Um, my second line basically is just asking for the appointment right away. So it, it's kind of unconventional amongst what some, some people might say, because typically it's like, you have to build the value first. You have to do proper discovery before you ask for the meeting. But what I find is when you just ask for the meeting right away, number one, you're getting more at bats, right? The more times you ask, the more times you're going to actually get the meeting. Number two, lots of times people are busy and be like, like, sure. Yeah. Um, and, and you're getting straight to the point but they're either going to be like, yeah, or they're going to be like, wait, what is this about? And when someone's, cause if someone asks you for a meeting, you're like, wait, what? Like, they're like, what is this about? 
And it's kind of an invitation for you to just kind of pitch your product. And they're like, oh yeah, we do X, Y, Z. That's why I was asking for the meeting. And so they're kind of, it's, it's a pattern interrupt because they're not used to hearing it that early in the conversation. And it, it invites you to um, kind of pitch your, you know, give your pitch. And it's helped me book a lot of meetings. People, you'd be surprised at how many people are like, yeah, like, oh yeah, I did see your email. Sure. And it's like, cause you don't think that you should be able to ask. Like, it's like, this is a cold call. Like I need to, you know, build more value. But it's like, if you just ask, you'd be surprised by how many people say yes. And it just helps you build more pipeline. And I think people should be asking for the appointment sooner. Um, cause if you can ask for the, if you can ask for a meeting 20 times in a day by doing that, as opposed to like five times in a day, that's, an extra 15 times that you had that to say yes. And, you know, it's just about having more opportunities for people to say yes to, you know, booking a demo. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Cause it's like, like you said, like a lot of people are like, Oh, like I don't want to agree to a meeting if I don't know what we're talking about. It kind of gives you an opportunity to like put that plug in there. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. It's, it's so, it's funny how much it works. Um, outreach actually does that, uh, outreach this to their sales team that's like a part of their outbound pitch they ask for the meeting right away um so it works i mean if, if a company's like that's doing it and i've been seeing success from it it's something that i think more people should try doing it yeah let's transition over to cold calls anything else you you'd like to say about cold calling man i mean i i just do it like i don't know i the thing is like when i started out in sales or like as an sdr um, and I wanted to separate myself. Like I always thought about like controlling the controllables. So control what you can control, right? So like in the beginning, I'm not going to be the best at making cold calls because other people just have more experience. Like I was new. So I just was like, screw it. I'm just going to make more calls than everybody by a large amount so that people see my name at the top of the board of calls every day. And the more calls I make, the better I'll learn. So I always just trying to think like, how can I, like, what are the things I can control today to set myself apart from everybody else on this team? And so it was just make a ton of calls. So I just always like, it doesn't make sense for me to do it anymore to make the most calls on the team. Cause I have more of a strategic approach and there's other ways I get meetings. But like when I first started, I just was like making a ton of calls. It got me comfortable with being uncomfortable. So yeah, it's not that hard to just make the most calls in the office. Um, you just got to have a little bit of hustle. Um, lastly though, I mean, I think the most, thing, the biggest thing is just getting comfortable with your pitch. Like have you, have your pitch, your scripts nailed down. Um, it's really just practice, practice, practice. Kind of like I mentioned. Yeah, for sure. Ooh, yeah. I don't know. Um, I'm curious too, like what, what type of things are you working on right now? Uh, is there anything that might be, be helpful too, or like, what are the, um, things you've been working on now? Because you're yeah, so, pretty, pretty new at your role right now, right? Yeah. So tomorrow actually will be the end of my first week. So I'm mostly just doing onboarding. Oh, dang. Yeah, like brand, brand new. So um, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, mostly just doing onboarding stuff, getting acquainted with Salesforce, SalesLoft, and Etail. And uh, I, I've been working today. I worked on uh, email cadences, which is why I was asking about it because it's what I was doing. Uh, just thinking about what to, what to write. So I'm probably, yeah, love that. I'm probably overloading you with so much information that I know. I remember when I was doing onboarding, like, holy crap, that first week, you just learning these tools. It's like so much information and it's like so overwhelming. Um, no, I love it though. Yeah. 
it hasn't been too overwhelming for me. I, I like being the sponge that's just like soaking in all the information and just getting everything thrown at me. It's, uh, it helps, it like is a really good way for me to learn and like you take notes on it. And if you don't absorb everything, you have them later to go back and look at and learn from again. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. We use sales loft and Salesforce over here too. So, um, yeah, those are good tools. I use a, I, I'm in sales loft and Salesforce every day. Um, yeah. What is, what is ETEL you said? Yeah. So it's kind of like, uh, maybe you don't know what it is cause you're, you're still just learning about it. I'm curious what it is. So we use it as mostly like a Chrome extension to see what kind of, um, e-com platforms, the like websites of the, the retailers that we're using are. So like Shopify, WooCommerce, like different mm-hmm. to like tech, tech things that are like on the back gotcha. end of their website. Yeah. It also can tell you things like cool. account executives and uh, like their average online revenue for a year. Oh, dang. That's actually pretty cool. So these cadences, are you building them from scratch or do you have like s- some stuff to work with? There's cool. team cadences that they have, but yeah. um, I'm like, you know, I kind of want to build my own out. Like, let's just like cut the teeth and just jump right into it. Like, let's go. Definitely. And that's how it was here too. There's a lot of people here at PandaDoc that will just use the team cadences and that's great. And like, that's fine. I wanted to just test things. And it, it took me a while and it's good that you have that mindset now because it took me like months to kind of be like, wait, I could try different things and like take my own learning, take learning into my own hands. And like, there's so much resource out there on cadences on like SDR stuff um, that, yeah, if you just kind of take that initiative to, um, to learn those things and implement them cool thing with sales loft is like you can a b testing so you know if you have 200 prospects that you're going to go after you know put 100 of them in uh email one step b or whatever and the other one in a and then just tweak the subject line see what subject line works better and then the next time test something different so you're just getting more efficient each time that like i always a b testing stuff like that trying out new cadences it's one of my favorite things about the job, even though it may, might not seem fun, but it's just kind of cool seeing that data and like seeing what's, what's working better. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's always the chase, like the chase to find the thing that performs the best and create the quote unquote yeah. best uh, sequence or email or script. hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. So are you doing a inbound and outbound or is it just so they, they told me this week that I'm going to be doing mostly inbound, but that I'm going to be doing some outbound too. So we'll see what cool. becomes of that. Um, I haven't actually like sent or done anything yet just cause I'm still in onboarding and learning about the product itself. Yeah. I imagine in the next like week or two, I'll be starting to actually uh, call customers and such. Love it. That's awesome. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's wrap this up. I have a few final questions. So what are, sure. what are you, the resources you'd recommend for someone brand, brand new to sales first week? That's a good question. Um, I'm looking at a book over here. Uh, you can't teach a kid to, to ride a bike at, at a, what is it? You can't take it. I always screw up the name. You can't teach a kid to, to ride a bike at a seminar. Um, it's a Sandler book. Um, I would recommend looking at Sandler training. I was lucky at PandaDoc, they gave us like a learning budget. So I bought like the whole Sandler tra- sales training thing. And I did that over like Christmas. 
but um, yeah, you can't teach a kid to ride a bike at a seminar. It's a, um, a Sandler training book. I would recommend that. It kind of gives you the fundamentals. Um, so that's a good book um, to kind of go after. And it kind of just, like I said, it gives you the fundamentals. It, it kind of helps you start thinking about building processes and um, uh, repeatable ways and, and prospect processes to go about your, um, you know, sales and prospecting. As far as other resources, I would be on LinkedIn, like very active on LinkedIn. There's um, people you should definitely be following, uh, like Morgan J. Ingram, um, uh, Jeremy Donovan, who posts a lot of like analytical stuff to help you pr improve your like email copy, for example. Um, let's see, what are some other good names? I don't know why. There's quite a few of them. Um, J John Barrows. There's there's a lot of people um, to follow on LinkedIn, but one of the biggest things that helped me was uh, just following a bunch of sales leaders on LinkedIn, looking at their content every day and then um, interacting with people, posting on LinkedIn. Um, like literally I just ask questions on LinkedIn and you'd be surprised at how many people just answer the questions. Like I'd be like, Hey, what are your thoughts on when someone emails you? What's the price? Like what's the best response to that? You know, when someone just wants price and they don't want a meeting, but obviously as an SDR, I need them to, to book a meeting. So it's like, I literally asked that and you get like, I got like 50 comments from people just telling me their thoughts. And so use LinkedIn, like connect with a whole bunch of people, sales leaders, read their content. There's so much stuff to learn and you can always apply that to your practices every day. So be active on LinkedIn, read books, read the Sandler books. That's a huge thing. And then like one of the other biggest things for me, like just starting out was talking to the top performers, the top SDRs and like just being annoying, asking for 30 minutes on their calendar. Um, and not only talking to, the top SDRs, but talk to people in different departments and just get an understanding for the company, see how it all works together and talk to the top SDRs, ask what they're doing different, what's, what's setting them apart and, and just try to replicate what they're doing. Awesome. And last question, if you could give one piece of advice, what would you, what would it be? I like that. Let me think about that for a second. Take your time. I'd say if I could give one piece of, yeah, if I could give one piece of advice to somebody in, in sales. And again, this is, this is speaking from somebody who's only been in sales for like a year. So it's not like I, I have the answer to everything, but I think the thing that's been most helpful for me is documenting the stuff that you're learning and, and like, don't stop documenting it. You know what I mean? Share it on LinkedIn, share it through a podcast, share it through a newsletter. Like I know people are like, you know, what do I have to share? But like you've been in SDR successfully for like five days now or a week. There's people that are coming out of college that are going to be looking for SDR jobs. There's people coming out of practice. There's, you know, 18, 19 year olds that are looking for their first sales job. You already have something to teach them. So by sharing and documenting um, and, 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 you know, don't stop doing that, do it consistently. Um, you're only going to develop your own career, help those people. And uh, you know, if you get to a point where you're continuously sharing stuff on LinkedIn, um, and kind of building that brand, you can pretty much get whatever sales jobs you want because you have a strong network and a strong brand. So that's one of the most important things. Like just keep documenting the stuff you're learning just throughout the whole process. I love that. All right. Well, it was super fun to have a conversation with you. I appreciate it. Um, I'll talk to you next time.